Welcome to the official podcast of the Canberra Raiders. Join us as we go behind the limelight. Hello and welcome to episode 20 of Behind the Limelight, the official Canberra Raiders podcast. We've got a massive show and we've got the other Raiders media boys, Benny Pollock and uh, Tommy Logan boys. Look, fresh off a loss, but such is life. Uh, I don't think I've woken up from the nightmare that is the, the Melbourne Storm game yet. Um, let's be honest, it was pretty awful. Uh, the boys were down there um, with the season still hanging on by a thread and unfortunately... Um, too many errors and penalties and uh, all of a sudden we're on the back of a good old-fashioned shellacking. Um, the Storm were too good on the night, there's no doubting that, um, and it's now about how they respond going into this weekend's game against Penrith. Mm, we'll touch on that game, we'll also preview, as you mentioned, uh, the Sunday clash against Penrith. We'll uh, have Hodjo, the standing captain at the moment, come in and, uh, and talk, the second time for him for the uh, podcast. Ruben Wiki is our uh, Forever Green massive uh, episode, that one, and also plenty more, so just hang out. Kick back and relax wherever you are, because we're about to go behind the limelight. So full time over there, Amy Park, Melbourne, ooh, 44, Canberra 10, Tommy Logan. It was the perfect post-game cliche, wasn't it? You can't give teams like Melbourne football because they make you pay. No, definitely not. Uh, obviously, the Storm are like, absolutely on fire at the moment, and they really showed their quality. I think the thing that hurt about uh, that game the most was just the fact that we haven't really had one of those games in a while where we've basically just been completely outclassed and flogged, essentially. We've had so many tight losses uh, that it, it's... I think everyone's just about forgotten what it feels like to lose big like that. Now I know how the Tigers feel every time we play them. <laughs> well, let's hope we can carry that in a couple of weeks. Absolutely. But to Tom's point, um, I mean, surely, um, I'm not sure um, exactly, but probably those close losses along the way and obviously everything that unfolded against the Sharks last week may have played um, on the players' minds a little bit. I'm not sure. Obviously, they had to get that win to stay alive um, in that game on the weekend, so there's a bit of pressure there too, but I, I can't put my finger on what went wrong. Um, obviously, the, the the big thing there was errors. Um, we had a few fundamental ones coming out of our own end, guys not playing the ball correctly, just cold drops, uh, and then giving Melbourne cheap possession by giving them penalties to come out of their own end. You can't give any team quality field position, especially the Storm, because I'll make you pay. I think how many times in that game it was error, penalty, points to the opposition. So it happened a few times, but they always say an NRL coach gives his team two off days a season. The first one was against South. That might have been our second off day. It was nearly Let's against hope. the Bulldogs, but we caught it out. We pulled it out of the fire, and that might have been our second. That's right. A 44 penalty count doesn't help either, but you can't blame the referees in a 44 points to 10 loss. Um, so, look, the guys have really got to pick themselves up quickly because they, they go into a game against Penrith, who uh, are off the back of another one of their special come-from-behind victories uh, on the weekend. They were done and dusted against Manly and, and pulled it out of the fire. So um, we know we're going to be in for a tough ask going up there to Penrith. Uh, first time we've been up there for a, a, a few years because the, the last couple of seasons we've played uh, them in Bathurst, of course. So um, hopefully a bit of better luck there <laughs> up at Panther Stadium as we get ready to take them on this weekend. Round 21 at Panther Stadium, Sunday afternoon. The Channel 9 game, a 4 o'clock kickoff. That's a rarity. It's about time, Channel 9. But look, it's always an exciting time when we're on the, uh, the free-to-air cameras. And like we mentioned, it's a big, uh, a massive clash, a massive assignment for the boys. But Benny, I've got to ask you, as we touched on there, 
on the road again for the third week in a row, but then you look at the draw, we're at home for three weeks. So it's usually, you know, one week on, one week off. Sometimes you get two weeks off, two weeks on. But this is the first time ever I've seen three week and three week off. Please explain. Well, that's a good question, which I'm not sure I have an answer to. We actually had a stretch there during the middle part of the season, including these last games, where we've played one game at home in something like eight weeks. So if you take the buys, origin by three games either side of a home game, it is a really tough ask. And we knew when we, the draw came out at the start of the season, this was going to be a really tough period for us. The problem is we didn't capitalise on our good start to the draw where we had a number of home games um, and we didn't get the wins that we needed there. So it has come back to bite us a little bit. Um, you'd like to be bouncing into the last three home games in a row, um, still in finals contention and still pushing for maybe a top four position. But we're not in that in, in that position. We're, 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 we've fallen short of our expectations and we're going to have to now rally to, to try and finish the season strongly. So it might be another question for, for Donnie, but having said that, how does it work at the start of the year? Does each CEO have their recommendations? They so- do, they do. They have recommendations. Clubs can put forward what games they would like. Obviously, there's a number of scheduling issues. Uh, here in Canberra, we've got um, potential um, clashes with Brumbies, GWS, all that type of thing, which we try to uh, avoid. Skyfire. Skyfire, yeah. <laughs> Any of those big sort of ticket items that can knock your crowd around. Uh, obviously, the big one um, for the NRL is just ground availability. They have to go through and look at every venue uh, work out what grounds are available, try and schedule games accordingly. Uh, there's teams that um, want to play in different parts of the year. It's such a big mechanics to go into putting the draw together. And then you've got to throw in the fact that the TV broadcasters have a say on what days they would like the games played. So um, we see a lot of Broncos games on a Thursday and Friday night. Uh, a lot of Sydney-based teams playing on those Sunday afternoon clashes. The NRL is also trying to maximise crowds by having those big blockbuster Sydney games on a Sunday afternoon and things like that to try and attract people. So the, sometimes the draw um, can just be an absolute lottery when it comes to getting what you want. Um, and unfortunately for us, sometimes we get forgotten about, and that's, the, that's the, the nature of the business. We just have to keep on performing well and put ourselves back in the front of mind of people that count. Tommy, after last week, it would have been ideal to come back for a home game, get a full crowd there behind the boys. It's not to be, they're going to be away again, but once we get through this week, three weeks to, to send the season out at home with three good games of footy. Yeah, definitely. Um, just alluding to what Ben said, obviously, um, just the fact that we didn't sort of capitalise on those early home games um, is a bit of a shame. But uh, I don't know what it is, but I always seem to enjoy sort of that sort of last month of footy in the regular NRL season. Canberra always seems to turn it on. Starting to warm up, you know, it's yeah. a feeling. It's just, uh, you know, we, we bounced in 2016 when we were we made that t- that run into the finals with the 10 straight wins the the, the electricity around the community was oh, was outstanding just, and the town just turns on and galvanizes the town it's and- just so disappointing that we're not getting that feeling at the moment now, you know but look i know this squad has the potential to get back to where they need to be. And I, I'm excited about um, guys like Jack Murchie coming in, getting an opportunity. Emre Gula was 18th man last weekend. He's a, he's a name that we're going to see in the future. Nick Kotrick's um, playing in a few different positions, trying to um, build on his um, really good start to his career. So there's, there's plenty of good signs there. It's just a matter of uh, putting it all together and um, probably next year starting the season a bit quicker and better. Now you mentioned 2016 and there was uh, not a better feeling then 2016, then what I experienced this year, Benny Pollock, uh, having my name on a, on a uh, Canberra milk bottle. 
That is on, a big on, one. On and the, uh, the lime green, the, what is it, choc mint lime. I tell you what, my fridge was full of them, and I got quite addicted for a while there, and I still am. That's right. The Raiders Choc Mint uh, Members Edition is hitting the shelves this week. So some good news there. Uh, Raiders members who registered uh, their details can go in uh, to the supermarkets and, and scavenge their way through the shelves and try and find their name. And if they, you can't find your name, we've actually set up a, uh, a Facebook event on the Raiders Facebook page where you can post pictures of bottles that you've found and try and... Um, swap them with other members to get your meet. bottle a bit of an online swap meet so yeah no it's great to have the the raiders uh, canberra milk um, association it's it's been going since the early 80s and um well done to dave tyak and the team for getting the members involved oh he's a legend dave tyak tommy you must be excited having uh, your name behind a bottle yeah i got around yeah i gotta say uh, i just hope uh, nobody catches me spending countless amounts of uh, hours at the supermarkets browsing through all the milk they are They're everywhere For the second time this year, Josh Hodgson. Sorry to pull you out of the gym there, mate. How are you? No, all good, mate. Thank you. Now, you're about to go into a wrestle session. What's a quick rundown of a day like today where it's a gym day, a wrestle day? What goes on? Um, so today's a little bit different. As you said, it's a couple of days uh, post-game now. So we um, come in early for a bit of physio if you need any treatment, things like that. Um, and then we got wrestle straight in, uh, wait, sorry, straight into wrestle. And then we'll have a little bit of a break, get some lunch, um, and then we'll have a team meeting just to look at some stuff from previous week. And then obviously this week for, for Penrith, um, and then we'll be out on the field. That's, it's that's a pretty a big day. day. This is probably your biggest day of the week, isn't it, in terms of training? Yeah, yeah, this is probably the biggest day. So today... Um, for for instance, started at nine and then um, field will probably go to about four hour four. So um, still still a short day for most people that were listening to this. But um, it's a pretty big day. But it's intense day, which is which is good. Are you knackered? Uh, are you knackered at uh, six o'clock tonight? Or oh no, nah, I think it's like everything. You get used to it the more you do it. I think um, it, it, it's how your body feels. I think like today I feel pretty good, so I'll be all right. But there's other days where you might have a short day, but you're busted and you're just ready to uh, put your feet up once you're finished. Now, it's hard to believe that this is, it's 20 weeks since we had you on the first podcast. You were our inaugural guest and uh, you're back then. Obviously, you weren't playing at that time. You're now back playing and you're standing captain while Jared's out injured. Um, how has the season been for you? Obviously, you missed that first chunk of it through injury. Um, you're starting to get back into your rhythm now. How would you rate the, your season so far? Um... Yeah, pretty frustrating, I think, mate. Um, obviously, the start for for me on a personal level was was frustrating, um, being out and missing so many games and, and having to watch from the sidelines and um, and things like that. And then obviously coming back, um, you know, I think we won three of our our first four when I come back, um, and you know we was lucky to win that one against the Dogs. We were still was still pretty poor, and I think we've still really lacked that consistency in our games for for eighty minutes. I thought we played well against the Cows, but um, other than that, we're still, you know, probably not hitting our straps. And um, you know, again on the weekend, we we wasn't great down in Melbourne. And I think um, you know, whenever you're giving away that many penalties and and completing that, I think it was seventy percent. I think it's, it's always going to be tough to beat them. So um, you know, it's, it's a bit frustrating for us. We're obviously striving to to be consistent and um, and try and get there, but. Roger, I got to ask. Uh, obviously, the week before, we'll publicise what went down at Shark Park against the Sharkies, and with all that controversy, how did the boys bounce into the Melbourne game? Was there some distraction there? Was there, what was the headspace like? No, it was good. I think um, you know we was obviously gutted the week before that we lost that one. It was a big game against the Sharks, and um, you know it was obviously a big game for them as well. Because if we'd have beat them, we'd have been probably chasing them um, and a couple of other teams inside the eight. So it was a it was a massive game, but. Um, you know, we was all we was all fresh and ready to go going into the Melbourne game. There's, there's definitely, 
you know, no excuses from our end in terms of, you know, why we didn't perform on the weekend. We we prepared well, we trained well. Um, we just did, we just didn't deliver. No excuses, as you mentioned, but it must be really hard going into a game like that when you don't have Jack White and Jared Croker, Aiden Caesar, Shannon Boyd, Michael Oldfield. I mean, Ada Hingana. There's six, seven first grade players there that aren't available for that game um yes other guys get opportunities and you have to shuffle around a bit but it must be a, a tough one to try and um, change positions like we saw Cia Soliola do an admirable job filling in in the centers but it's it must be hard when you, you regular cohesion sort of breaks apart like that oh yeah definitely it's you know having those type of players missing you know having any any amount of players of that number missing is always going to affect your, your squad and your depth but you know when it's you know majority of those blokes are in your start, starting 17 and they're a big part of your team it's it's um, it's, it's, it's tough on the team but um, at the same time we had the team to we had the team to do it it's just um, it's, it's, it's been a bit of a frustrating year there's a lot of us that hadn't had a lot of games alongside each other as I touched on earlier I missed the first 14 rounds and then um, had a couple of games and we've obviously lost Jack for for 10 um, and then we lost Boydie for a patch we've lost you know we lost Rapper for a little patch in there um, Joey Tapan's had two suspensions so we've you know that as you speak about that cohesion does get affected a little bit by that when you've when you're mixing and matching players a fair bit does it feel clunky you though? luck you need some luck in yeah. the season don't you? I mean there's, there's always enough players there to do a job but as you mentioned the cohesion do you have to make that extra effort when all those combinations aren't as settled as they should be or could be I think um, I think it can go both ways I think um you know, sometimes when you're um, when you're down on troops, you can try too hard, and I think you know that's probably something we've done in previous games. I don't think that was, you know, really what happened at the weekend. Um, but I think in previous games, sometimes we've probably tried too hard to do things, and then it just compounds errors, and um, you know, all of a sudden you're, you're a few points down and chasing. And I think um, it's um, it's it's a weird feeling because you always feel well, maybe on a personal level, I always feel really confident going into the game on the weekend, and I'm always confident we can get the win. There's no one, you know. When we turn up against, there's no one that I think, God, you know, I don't think we can get these today, or it's going to be, you know, really tough. I just think most weeks, I think if we're good, we'll win today, and uh, and that's a that's a positive thing to having a team, but it's also when you don't very um, very frustrating. With Jared out, you've assumed the captaincy role. Um, first of all, are you enjoying it? And secondly, how do you? Um, I, I could say, I could feel your frustration from the sideline on the weekend. Obviously, you approached the referee a few occasions and things like that. How big of a part of your game? As captain, is is that in in terms of being the voice of the cl- of the team when you when you need to go and speak to the refs? Yeah, it's obviously um, I'm representative of the boys on the field, and I think that's you know important that I don't lose my cool. And I think a couple, probably a couple of times on the weekend, I did. But um, you know, what it also doesn't help when you know other people mm. chip the ref a little bit, and then I go to talk to him, and he's already had a you know a bit of a gutful. So you know that's something that we've um, that we looked at and. Um, as we saw on the weekend, rapper got sent for ten and and things like that. So it's um, it's important that we all keep our goal. And yeah, I probably wasn't the best at doing that on the weekend. And um, the scoreline, you know, the game was well gone. I think it was forty points to ten or something like that. When you know, I lost my cool a little bit at the back end, but um, that's probably frustration from not not just the referees, but you know, myself. myself and do you uh, enjoy the Do you enjoy the role as captain though, out in the field? Oh yeah, I really enjoy it. I think you know it's something I've always I've always strived to do. I've always wanted to be a captain, and um, I was captain of my old club, Old KR, before I came here, and it's something that um, I've loved. And probably looking back, I, I probably didn't appreciate 
um, or under, well not appreciate I probably didn't understand you know how much you should be really doing as a captain when I was younger back at back at Hull KR and, and since coming here and um, and growing a little bit and maturing I think um, it's, you don't realise how important your captain is into your team and um, and and how important he, he can have an effect on the boys as well um, until you probably get a little bit older and understand does it make you appreciate what Jared brings to the team when he is there yeah, definitely. He um, he, he has a lot. He has a lot to cop for. Um, he has a lot of weight on his shoulders. And as I said, if it's hard for him as well out in the centres, you know, if the if the referee needs talking to him, he's the other side of the field. He's got to go make a fifty metre fifty metre sprint to try and talk to him. So um, he's got a tough job. And um, you know, I, I know he does everything he can for us and the boys and anything that we need. He'll always put his neck on the line, which is you know what you need. When some people get the captaincy in that leadership role, they can get the best out of them. Do you find that you've gone up another level with your football, having control and having that extra responsibility with the boys? Um, I don't think. I probably don't think I've gone up another level playing-wise. I think just because you know, as a team, as I said, we've been a little bit stop-start and probably you know being as consistent as we'd like, and um, you know. But I think it does really hold me accountable. I think you know one thing I'm a big believer in is I'd never tell you know somebody to do something I wouldn't do myself if I'm a leader. So. Um, it holds me accountable to um, doing all the small things that I tell the boys to do. So if it's the little one percent players in a game that you know people don't see, but they're really hard work when you're tired, and I think that that holds me accountable to doing all them. Because if I'm chipping someone to, for not doing them, and then they catch me doing it, it kind of makes me a bit of a hypocrite. So well, you gotta do as you do, not do as I say. Yeah, that's it, yeah. <laughs> Probably uh, an interesting way that the competitions panned out this season is with with five rounds to go, the top eight's pretty much locked in. I mean. Yes, there's a slight chance that we could still make it, but um, we'd have to have a lot of things go our way. How do you keep a team motivated during that last five-week period, knowing that um, you haven't got the finals to play for, but you've still got to keep putting in performances to try and build some momentum into the next season? Yeah, I think that's. Um, I think that's probably the toughest thing I've been. Um, sitting with over the past couple of days I think you know how to the, the boys here are good we're always good and upbeat and stuff like that but in terms of keeping that um, that hunger there and that drive to still you know do all the little things when no one's looking and still train as hard as you can every week knowing you've you know you maybe only got another five weeks left um, that's that's the hard one to, to try and figure out and I think it just comes by just holding everybody accountable and keeping keeping everything pretty light I think if you go um, serious all the time and uh, and be full on too much. People just get over it. I think you've still got to be, you still got to bring a bit of fun into the place and still got to have a laugh and a joke and and, and get your work done when you need to. Well, there's still fans that still have that relevancy. You know, twenty thousand members. Of course, the fans they still want you to win all the way. We've got three home end. games left. I think yeah. that's important. They're you... still there, whether whether it's positive or negative. They're yeah. still there. Uh, they're turning their up presence is there, turning it up. It even if you can't make the finals well you can and I remember that game against a few years ago I think it was Ricky's first year against Parramatta in that last game and it was that real close game towards the end and you scored the try and golden point that was we couldn't make the eight there but there was so much feeling and you could tell that celebration it just felt so good to win that game because at the end of the day you still run out on the field it's a game of football that you want to win whether yeah, you can that, make it or not yeah that's it I think we're all we're all natural competitors and I think you know, come game day, it's on, and, and no matter whether it's a game of table tennis here or it's whether it's a game on the weekend, everyone's just that competitive. They always want to win, and you know, 100% we're, we're doing everything we can to to win as many games as we can at the end of the year, whether we can make the eight or not. That regardless, um, 
just in terms of as as Benny was touching the the team morale day to day, keeping everybody you know upbeat. That's more what I was touching on. But you know, come game day, we know our fans are hundred percent loyal, and sometimes it's absolutely mm-hmm. Baltic down there, and the, the numbers are, are unbelievable to say what the, what the conditions are like, and we know they always turn up. Uh, you must have a bit of extra motivation, I suppose, going into this game playing the Panthers and recent times they've just been able to edge over us in terms of winning the game so I'm sure the guys really want to get one over them uh, heading into this weekend Yeah definitely I think we've had a few close games against them and um, you know the most recent one obviously at home when they just pipped us in the end and um, we, you know, probably another one we, we we look back at that we should have maybe ticked off there. Um, but yeah, it's always a good encounter, and it's always you know it's always very physical, which is um, usually a good thing for for our big boys. They usually like the the physical side of things. And um, we'll have a look at a couple of boys this week in in, in Shannon and, and uh, maybe Aiden, and, and see how they're travelling, and hopefully they can uh, be in contention to be playing because they'd be big additions to our team. Talking about preparation, you play the Panthers this week. What goes on in regards to you know your tip sheets and doing some research on your opposing number. How does that work? Is it an optional thing, or does Ricky make a everyone get out there and you know research their opposing number? How does it all work? Now, so we um, we do a re- end of every week. Sorry, the start of every week, we'll do the review from from last week and look over clips and um, things we did well and obviously things we can work on. Um, Is there pausing on the TV? And yeah, we're yeah, getting there's the pause and you know what, what was you thinking here? Does and, it stand up? Or? Stuff like, nah, 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 nothing like that. But you know, you, you've got to kind of interact. You've Please got, explain. You, you, uh, you only put in as much as you. You want to get out as much as you put in, I suppose. So you know, the boys are pretty good at talking up when something goes wrong, and um, and then you know, over the next couple of days, we'll start looking at things at Penrith. So we'll have a day in attack where we'll we'll look at um, their defence and our attack and what we want to do, and then the next day we'll obviously we'll flip that um, and have a look at the other side of things. I've we'll, seen um, BJ and Rapper at times. On the on the DVD, look researching their kind of opposing centres, opposing kind of back three for the week. Is that a common thing where you can just go to the library and dial in uh, someone's name, like dial in, you know, for example, Maloney? And yeah, yeah. So you, there's a um, a thing on the laptop. So I think it's called Analyzer, and you just type in whichever game you want from. You can go back a few years as well. Um, wow. So it's nowhere to hide. No, no, no. Click which player you want and, and and have a look at certain things. And, and you know, most most boys are pretty good like that. So. Um, you'll usually see the halfbacks um, looking at previous weeks. Usually, at, you know, probably the back rowers, seeing what they're doing defensively when they're attacking the line. And you know, myself, I love a look, have a look at the middles, what they're doing in and around the rook and the markers. Um, you know, and as you say, BJ and Rapper, I'll have a look at opposing centres and wingers, see if the right hand carry, left hand carry, offload, what they like to do. So, I mean, you're obviously a player that you can you can probably bounce with that, but there's probably some players that you don't want to try and feed too much information to. Yeah, that's it. I think. Um, BJ's a little bit like that BJ I think most of the time in meetings he just sits at the back and just daydreams and then if someone says his name he goes hey <laughs> so he's a little bit like that but he, he does his own individual stuff what he knows he needs to um, you know probably Joey Tapan's another one like that just a natural player he don't you know he don't need so much information you just tell him to just well his head's full of uh, <coughs> Fortnite so he's got more room to fit in the other stuff <laughs> yeah. yeah that's true get ball run yeah. hard that's all he needs to know yeah. yeah well Josh thanks for coming in talking to us mate we appreciate it um uh, good luck for the rest of the season with uh, five weeks to go. I'm sure that the faithful would love to see five wins from five wins and who knows if that happens, anything could happen. So um, all the best of luck against the Panthers this weekend and for the rest of the year. Cheers, boys. Thank you. Thanks, Roger. On the Behind the Limelight podcast, we present Forever Green. We talk to players from the past that wore the lime green jersey with pride, passion and plenty of courage. 
Mullins, and then Jason Croker. Raps his hand in by Lance. Intercepted by Meninga, and he scores. The crowd roars. They're delight. They are a class act. You've never got them down. The Green Machine, one of the greatest teams ever in the history of the game. A very special Forever Green guest today, uh, calling him all the way from New Zealand, has given us the time of day. Ruben Wiki, how are you, mate? <laughs> Yeah, good, Nick. Good, good, good mate. Uh, glad to be on the show uh, after a long, long chase down. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. It's been, it's been a bit of fame tennis. But, look, you, you've come down a couple of times uh, in the last, say, month or so. You blew the horn in the, against the Titans, but you're also down for the Forever Green night. I think that was your first time back in a while. What was that like? Good experience for you going back down memory lane? Yeah, it was massive, bro. And as you said, you know, you touched on the blown horn. That was a that was that was a massive honour. But uh, to see ex teammates uh, at the reunion was uh, was was awesome. And I think there was eighty plus and um, guys, you know, have gone to battle within the green jersey. So uh, it was good to see all the familiar faces. Well, we had the whole back line of the 94 Grand Final team, excluding Laurie Daly, and of course Ricky was downstairs prepping his boys, but yeah. it, it was good. It was good to see the likes of Noah Adruku and Kenny Nagus back as well, and, and Mullows, as well as Big yeah, Mel. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, no, we always, always kind of keep in touch, mate, um, through, throughout the season, and just to kind of check in and see how everyone is, you know, so when Mel was with um, Queensland, I was always... Uh, so we talking to send me some gears, you know, from Queensland gears, and but uh, always always run into Mullows in Newcastle, and every time I come back to Queensland, I always try and catch up with uh, Chicker and, and Buller. Yeah, so you're obviously a big Queensland boy. You, throughout, throughout the nineties, I remember being a kid growing up, and also being a a kid involved in the local schoolboy team and um, getting awards yeah. for yourself and that. So you were very yeah. passionate about the Q Town. Yeah, no, it is, man. It, it reminded me of home, and I think. Uh, when uh, the wife and I came over, we uh, stayed at the uh, Central Hotel for about three months. We mm. we had you know had to do the hard yards and and work and uh, earn our earn our spots. And you know, it was twelve years later, you know, it was we made a made our life out of it and had our kids. The kids were born in Queenman Hospital, so a lot of our friends are still back there, mate. So and every time I go back, it's you know going down memory lane and and um, catching up with the old boys there. Ruben, you mentioned uh, obviously when you, you came to Queenie and you stayed at the Central Motel. 93, you arrived at yep. the Canberra Raiders. How did that all come about? There was that rumour saying that Tim Sheens and Dean Lance went to the Pacific Cup and, and yep. came back with signatures like, you know, I mean, Quentin Pongi yeah. was already kind of signed, but Johnny Lomax and Adruku. Yep. And there was a big Tongan contingency I remember growing up, likes of Jimmy Vacoso and Celestia Finau, these blokes yep. that got brought to Canberra. You were part of that wave, weren't you? Yeah, no, it was, you know, we were pretty lucky to. Um be, be in that uh, in that era, and I think uh, having Tim Sheens and Dean Lance come over for the uh, Pacific Cup in '92, and watching all all these raw talent come out of um, Auckland in this in, you know in this competition, they had that for the weekend. So you know we're all representing our our countries and our um, heritage, and uh, to pick up to get picked up from uh, an elite club like Canberra Raiders was you know it was a dream come true, and I thought it never, <laughs> never happened, but um, you know we. Uh, we made it our own and uh, took you know took the opportunity to get, get over there and see how we see how we went. I remember you made your first grade debut. Was it against Newcastle in '93? But yourself, I think you made your, your de- debut on the wing for the Raiders. Yeah, me and me and uh, Kenny Nagus. So that was At the same uh, time. That was a, yeah, that was pretty out of it. You know, playing the 21s uh, under the um, under the watchful eye of Craig Bellamy and getting the, getting the call up to, to be on the wing. Um, you know, it was like 
Yeah, it was it was surreal, but you know, he just wanted to wanted to um, just get out there. It didn't matter where you were playing; you just try and do your best. And uh, getting that opportunity in '93 was um, yeah, pretty surreal. And it, it was in Newcastle, so it was uh, pretty daunting. But um, you know, Badge was you know kept us kept us on our toes. And Newcastle quite significant. Uh, by 1994. You were part of that back line. You were the number four jersey, you know, playing with Mal um, in that crate back line. There was a game against Newcastle down here where you scored four tries, and you were known as that, <laughs> you were known as that physical defender, that big Maori physical defender, you know, with the big uh, the big bicep guards putting put forwards on their backside. But in that game, you showed us all about your attacking prowess. You, you crossed the line for four tries, and they weren't just setups, finishing nice backline moves. They were you powerhousing through and doing a lot of work to get to the line. Well, that would have been a great night for you in bed. Look, four tries tonight. I've kind of made it in this top grade. Yeah, you know, when uh, when the opportunity came knocking, like, uh, one of the boys, uh, David Boyle, got injured. I just kind of took the opportunity and um, tried to make it my own, and kind of didn't want to give the number back. So, but uh, that game. Scoring four tries, didn't uh, wasn't expecting that, but you know I just you know stuck to stuck to what I know best is just running hard and hitting the holes, and um, I, I don't think I got a sidestep, but I don't know what I don't know I got out of the line. Because you were obviously a big fan of Mal, what was it like coming to grade and and first of all seeing him with his kit bag at training for the first time, and secondly running out and and being in a, being in a team with him, being in the, the opposite centre. Yeah, so first time going to um, Bruce Stadium and training with the first grade team, um, and you know, seeing Mel in the, in the flesh was um, was pretty surreal. But in the eye opener and how how big he was, um, you know, I tried to be like him when I was growing up, and I kind of was about probably twenty plus kilos lighter. But what he um, what he did, you know, what he did for the game and what he passed on to myself, just just through talking um he did improve my game and uh, he's a true professional and like the rest of the rest of the elite players that are coming through the grades in the, those early 90s so um but you know big males big stature but just a, just a normal average, average bloke and willing to give us time to talk to this young young south auckland boy from uh you know from new zealand mm. Look, 94, what a dream year that was for the club, of course. Uh, speaking to many of that squad, many of your teammates back then, they just thought it was just a party all year round. You guys were just mates off the field, so close-knit. And on the field, especially those Friday night performances, you'd be playing against the Broncos or the Bulldogs, those top four teams, and you'd just blow them off the park. It was like a party on the field. 94, you make the run to the finals, and you get to the big dance. All you guys went behind Mal's back. To just kind of take that one out for him. Yeah, it was um, the season kind of yeah, went that quick, mate. And uh, yeah, we didn't we didn't lose many games during that season. And I think uh, especially I think we might have struggled against, <laughs> Yeah, I think we struggled with Gold Coast. I think we lost against Gold Coast away, and um, that game against uh, the Bulldogs in North Sydney. That's right, Bulldogs in, in the in the semis and that. So, um, but the way uh, the caliber of players that we had back in the, uh, back in that 94 was um, you know they kept us on our toes you know so mm. the, the way they the way they trained it was the way they played they expected perfection you know like getting a ball from dummy half to to Ricky you know so if I was passing the ball to Ricky you got to make sure it, you know hit him in, in the hands if you go go way or too high too low he'll tell you about it so and you kept everyone accountable to their actions and their skill 
and um, you know, no one, you know, no one took any shortcuts, and I think it kind of proved why we were successful that that year. And, it, and I think for us young guys coming through, we just kind of jumped on that and improved our our game just by just setting high standards for ourselves. You know, it's every time we went out there with those with those players, and uh, we wanted to, to do our part. So for myself and Kenny, it's young pups coming through. We just wanted to soak it all up and and make sure we you know we stood up every, every game you know so and that's and that's what we did and you know being males last year we wanted to see him see, see him go out uh, a winner and you know we did that and it didn't didn't hit me for about a couple of weeks that we won a grand final so um i'm used to winning grand like grand finals in the local league back home but this one was like you know, the biggest one of you know the biggest the biggest occasion ever in the NRL. So, um, so yeah, it didn't take me <laughs> didn't didn't hit me straight away. But you know, I knew how how much it meant to the likes of Mel and the guys who've been here before, like Sticky and Loza and Clyde and all that. So, yeah. But now I look back and look at the medal. You know, we did something special that year. Amazing. What was your headspace like, Rubes, being a young bloke coming through, coming to Australia, playing first grade Winfield Cup? It seems like you were built for first grade because you just came on and just made a mark straight away. Usually it takes a few, you know, you didn't really get blooded through the lower grades. You went, you know, had a few games in first grade, went straight with the big boys. What was it? What was your headspace like? Was it like, gee, I've got to work hard to stay here? Or was it the likes of Mount and Laurie and Sticky kind of helping you through? Or was it Tim Sheens? What was it? Because you just seemed so at home in the top grade yeah. there in the centres. Well, I, I think, bro, for me, Nick, coming from, from South Auckland and um, you know, wanting to do something for not just for myself or for my mother, for my family, for my, you know my partner, was to um, you know, put my best foot forward every time I went to training and, and um, every time I went on the field. So um, you know, it was for them as well. Wasn't yeah. So it wasn't the most talented bloke, but I, I'd you know I'd work hard and um, improve my game every time. You know, so I'm probably the biggest critic, and I think uh, on my games and. When my kids got a bit older, they actually, you know, pulled me alone as well. So, mm-hmm. and, and the wife, and the wife does the same. So, I had, a, I had a, like um, a circle of friends outside the, the Raiders, which were in Queenbeyan, like the likes yeah. of my mate, my little brother Kenny Kawaliva, and and the likes of the Oddie Gaffers and all these guys that keep me grounded. You know, yeah. so I didn't really hang out with uh, the big boys going out on the weekends. So. Uh, kind of just, you know, the carver sessions on the Sunday, um, just with the, the local boys and, and just, just kind of kept out of the limelight really. And, um, just wanted to get better every time. And I think, uh, I think one, one thing Tim, she's did tell me that, you know, yeah, not a f- regular first grade until you play 50. And he told me to go find some friends and outside the circle. And we did that and, uh, just kind of carried on for what I, what I what I did back in back in New Zealand, you know, having friends outside, mm. so they're going to keep me honest, you know. Look, uh, we move on to '95, and it hasn't really been mentioned much, but I remember it so fondly as a kid. The Auckland Warriors became a, a, a team in the competition, <laughs> yeah, and it just yeah. goes to show how loyal you were to the Raiders. 
Because something, I remember John Maney coming out on the TV saying, yeah, Rudy Luke, he's our yeah. player. You were meant, I don't yeah. know what happened, you were meant to go there, but there was a court case that went on in the off-season. Yeah. And even your mum came down and said, oh, geez, I wanted Ruben to come back home. But you fought yeah. your way to stay at the Raiders. That would have been such a spin-out for you that whole time. Well, you know, after those, uh, probably 93, 94, kind of, you know, getting the, you know, getting the, Tap on the shoulder and knocking, you know, the new club coming into the Winfield Cup and, and was back home and, you know, it was pretty exciting, you know, get to go home and, um, you know, go, go see mum again and stuff. So the young guy who was, you know, no, no legal advice or anything like that was mm. kind of swayed, you know, swayed to go back. But, you know, there was kind of a few miscommunications between the, the parties or the Warriors and myself and, Actually approached the machines and I said, "This is what I've done, and can you can you help me? I, you know, I've had a change of heart, kind of thing." So mm. um, yeah, they they stood by me, mate, and went through the court case, sat out of you know, sat out of footy for a long time, and and that was hard for me not to be playing footy, but uh, I stuck to my guns, did the training, and did the court case, won the court case, and um, with Kevin Neal and the Raiders support. I owe them a big, a big, um, big favour. So I, I wanted to be loyal as, as long as I could for the club. I remember the nights that you got the morning was a Friday night before a Broncos game. Yeah, yeah, the and Broncos it, game. And you got cleared, and then Chenzi puts you on, and you come off the bench. Yeah. I think you had a big run and put a big hit on Big Lazo, and yeah. Ruben Wiki <laughs> was straight back in there. You know, it was, it was great. <laughs> oh man, it was just, it was, it was just, you know, it was just so, you know. Relieving for myself and what we went through, and my legs were gone, man. I, I thought I was running fast, but I wasn't. <laughs> but um, but the atmosphere and, and and the support I got from the from the, uh, the Canberra Raiders fans, you know, I always I always remember that one. And every time I went on to Bruce Stadium, I wanted to make sure I did, you know, bled green as long as I could. Throughout the years, of course, you were you were involved in. You know, obviously, a big senior member of the club, Mal moved on, and slowly, yeah. slowly, the years went on. You know, Sheensy left in '96. Mal came back as a coach, though. But we had yep. we had Sticky and BC leave, uh, which was was very tough for the brand of the club, and also eventually yeah. Laurie, Fernsey, and, and Mullows left. The whole change of identity, and it was yourself and, and Jace Croker, and and, and Statue Devico were left yeah. around, and yeah, and, and obviously Germ. You became one of the senior leadership men. What was it? What was it like then, coming from playing from a dream team to almost like a redeveloping team? And having, having mm. that, those first few years were so tricky because the Raiders were just still respected by by the other teams. So everyone was bringing their yeah. bringing their A A grade against the Raiders. Fans yeah. had expectations. The city had expectations, but you were clearly yeah. going through a rebuild. No, absolutely. You know, the, the players that we had. Back in those early days, you know, that attracts attracts a lot of uh, players to sign sign for the Raiders. And, and when they all left, you know, some guys passed, you know, moved on, and uh, you know, financially wise, and mm. uh, just you know, retirement and stuff. But it was up to us us guys coming through. What we kind of learnt through through those years to pass it on to the next generation of like you know, likes of Alan Tang, Josh Mullers, and and so forth, uh, you know, McWaymans and just try, just try and build that culture again, you know. And, and you know, it's like your club; it's going to take a long time to rebuild again, you know, the, uh, five years plus. So, and just Iran buying into 
the same same goals, you know. So, um, you know, we still still made some finals, but there was a bit of a yeah, there was a bit of a, a gap in between that. But um, you know, we were just working hard and trying to keep that green green machine um, alive, you know. So from the early days, and and it took some time. It took some time, but and, you know, we haven't won one since '94. So, but we've been in the finals, but not quite get get to that final one. So. Um, you know, the players come and go, and yeah. you just got to keep keep what you learnt uh, under the guidance of the the OGs back in the days, and try and pass that on to the young guys coming through, so they can hopefully pass it on to the next generation. So, without embarrassing the rubes, yeah. what you just mentioned, you pass it on to that crop coming through. I've spoken to the likes of Troy Thompson, the Allen Tongues, the Terry Campeses, and blokes like yeah. Michael Robinson, Trevor Thurling, the juniors from here. Uh, Josh Miller, those guys. I ask him who was your favourite player and who was the guy you looked up to the most, and that first one they say is Ruben Wiki. Even without you, didn't even have to speak. They actually learned yeah. more from you off the field, the way you conducted yourself, the way you spoke to people, your politeness, yeah. your, the gentleman in you. Because that they learned more off the field, and that just goes to show. And, and even the blokes of the New Zealand Warriors at the time, that, that Stacey mm-hmm. Jones-led teams and Monty Beethlin-led teams, they even draw, drew the inspiration for Ruben Wiki. Yeah. How are you so humble in your career there, Rubes? Where other guys would have just lost their heads by then? Oh, bro, you know, it's, it's not, um, nothing magic about it, man. I think, um, you know, I put a lot of credit to my upbringing. You know, I didn't have a father growing up, you know, my mum and dad split when I was three, and uh, my mum was the father and mother with three siblings, mm. you know, so. You know, they call that that movie once warriors yeah, yeah. is true, and, and I'm um, and I'm a survivor. You know, survivor from from that, and I kind of generate my um, my controlled aggression through through what my mum through uh, went through, and take that on the field, but still remember who I am and who I'm representing off the field. Um, I'm not perfect, man. You know, I, I stuff up, but you know, I know I stuffed up. But you know, we we just gotta. Like look in the mirror and just self-evaluate yourself, you know, because you can't you can't um, fall into the traps of um, falling into the social media side of things yeah. and blowing bubbles up your your butt side. So um, I, I just try and stay um, grounded, and you know I've got a lovely lovely partner that we've been together since '91, and you know we always talking about. Um, the game, the game will only last for so long. But yeah, your friends, your friends and family will be there forever. So you know that's it's just a, just a blessing to play the game. But it's not going to be there forever, you know. And yeah. While it's there, you just do do the most you can and pay it forward to the the OGs that paid it forward to you. You know. So yeah. I really believe in that, and um, you know, I've never changed it even to this, to this day. So. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to get ahead of myself <laughs> yeah. too much, bro. I just take it day by day. Well, they used to they used to call you, you got that nickname, Jake the Muss. Yeah, you, I know. When, huh. when, when was the last time you saw Adrian Lamb? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, every time, like, every time, they had that rookie camp, yeah, that rookie thing on um, yeah, TV. Yeah, yeah, last and, year. And he was, I think he was one of the commentators, and they, uh, Freddie, Freddie and the Moors bring it up, and Adrian Lamb's just... I said, man, oh, man, I'm sorry for what happened there, but yeah, you can blame, you have to blame Luke, Luke Rickerson who passed you the ball, man. <laughs> he's, he's the one who passed it, but um, you know that's just just all part part of the um, going going to battle against yeah. other teams. Eh? You just you just don't don't trash talk. You just get it done, man. Do what you have to do for the team, but oh. you know. I'm, 
It never gets old. It was just it was a classic, <laughs> classic rugby league tackle. Shoulder, the right, the right weight you put in, the right, the right leverage you put in. He just took his head off. Now, uh, oh, the favourite. I wish it was a front rower, but <laughs> yeah, I remember, I remember you put on a couple of big hits on Darren Britt, the dogs, a few times, and yeah, 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 yeah. You, you, you were hitting like a forward, up. and it's funny because Joey Johns, Andrew Johns, in his book, read that wrote the toughest team he ever played against was that '94 Raiders team, and he goes the forwards, oh, yeah. the forwards just weren't dangerous. He goes the backs were hitting like forwards as well. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I was, you know, because due to Clody, Clody does a lot of work, so mm. he knows if he misses a tackle, I'm going to clean someone up for him. So, you know, he just, as you know, as I said, pay it forward, brother. Just keep paying it forward to your mates. Yeah. Now, there's a guy down here at Canberra that we love that kind of, kind of reminds us of you. He was a winger come centre now in the forwards and a good mate of yours as well, C.S. Oliola, and I asked oh, him about yes. the whole, you know what I'm talking about, the situation yeah, oh, over man. there when he was at the Roosters and you were at the Warriors, yeah, yeah, yeah. that would have been, there was almost a bit of concern after that when you when you made that run from yourself. Oh, yeah, when that happened, bro, because uh, there was a lot of hype going on. My, it was like my final game from final game. It was like every game was my final game and uh, the crowd, it was, you can blame it on the crowd behind me. They were just chanting, chanting, you know, just the changing my, my name in and I said, oh, I'm going to grab this ball and just run as hard as I can and look for, you know, whoever and then uh, yell out Spartans. So I, I was, I was going, because we had that Spartan theme going on with the beards and stuff. Yeah. So before I made contact, <laughs> that's what was coming out of my mouth and I didn't know I copped it. I see his jaw on my shoulder, but um, yeah, I was concerned for Sia straight away after that happened and um, I just wanted, you know, pretty close and I didn't want to be in jeopardy of, of his health. And so I checked, checked him out and seemed okay. And like two tackles later, I ran straight back at him. <laughs> yeah. You know, I always keep in touch with us here and on, watch his games. And, you know, he's, he's, he's doing, he's doing, uh, man, he's just like, he's got the, he's the heart of the, heart of the Raiders at the moment. He's he just OG, just doing the thing, you know. And he doesn't um, say much. He just does his, does what he needs to do for the team. He's not worried about the number he's got on his back. That was the, no, that was awesome. a time when you were at the Warriors. But we, I think there was a, a couple of sad moments in the club. Of course, uh, losing the '91 Grand Final. A sad moment was when and when Ricky and Bradley Clyde left. But I think what was even sadder was the night that yourself and Luke Devico moved on. Uh, it was an emotional time. I remember it quite clearly. It was so emotional because we just saw. Um, how much the Raiders meant to you there, Ruben? Yeah, uh, yeah, that night, mate. Um, actually, I was just talking about it the other day. There's a photo popped up, um, and Santa and I were just on the sideline, and I was because uh, I did, did a high ankle sprain that night and I couldn't walk. And um, yeah, I was I was pretty gutted, mate, and um, to be leaving. Uh, I, you know, I wish I could have stayed, but financially, it was. The option was to look after my family and yeah. the future, you know. So um, if we if we could have worked something out uh, at the race, I would have stayed, but it just didn't happen. So, um, but we made the finals the week after, bro. So um, and you I actually wasn't... had to play. You actually yeah. came out of nowhere and ran on and played. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I uh, I um, I wasn't meant to play, man. I was my 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 leg was gone. So I just drank kava for the next seven days and uh, cut my hair, went back to the old 94 haircut. I remember And, uh, yeah, had an ankle brace, jabbed my ankle about seven, 
six needles and then just played on and it was against Finchie was playing actually yeah. with the Roosters. And, the Roosters. Uh, I lasted about seven seventy minutes and then my ankle was just it was gone after that. But I just wanted to give something back um, to the to my to the club that I've always adored and you know Sticky Sticky was the coach bit back back then with the Roosters and he come up to me and said you don't know didn't need to do that mate but you yeah, see well you know I'm forever green man forever. Yeah, and, um, and and my fans, the fans again. So it was good to see the fans again. So it looked, just, yeah, it was It wasn't <laughs> weird because you were in such a New Zealand guy and you're such a leader and you captain the, the Kiwis and it, yeah. was, it was still weird because you're just like Ruben should be in green, you know? Yeah, I would have retired there, mate. So um, yes, and it is forty, mate. And you know, my kids didn't want to leave, and Santa, my wife didn't want to leave, and they still want to go back there now, mate. So. After all these years, they still want to go back. And, um, wow. You know, who knows, mate? Mate, <laughs> you're knows? always welcome back here. Now, did, <laughs> yeah. you up, did, you end up actually, did you end up playing against the Raiders at all? Oh, yeah, many times, mate. What was that yep. like? Yeah, it was, it was pretty, uh, pretty weird, eh? But um, it, it's like when I, Raiders, when I was playing with the Raiders, playing the Warriors, you know? Um, I'm always going to get extra attention. Yeah. So... And it was it was it was tough playing against the, the boys, but um, they you know they showed me the love and tried to bash me, and I tried to do the same, and that's that's the way it is, you know. And I've never seen this happen before, but I remember when you were retiring um, your career, and you were obviously retiring through the Warriors. There, the Raiders mm. organised a team bus to farewell you at a I think it was a Parramatta game, so you even had yeah, Raiders supporters that. there. That would have been. It was packed. Just, yeah, it was, and it was green support. That's that's never been, that's never happened before. You're the first player to to leave a club and still have a contingency of that former club still wanting wanting to say oh, goodbye. Yeah, it was at the, uh, the Sydney Green Brigade. Yeah, and mate, they were following everyone. And I just you know I saw them after the game and I went to go give them, a, you know, acknowledge them. And it's just unreal. I was playing for another team, but yeah, mm. they were there. You know, so that's. Oh, that's that's how much I love the club and the fans, you know. And yeah, man, that was <laughs> to freak me out actually. But they were cheering me on, but they're in the green green jerseys. <laughs> Ruben, Wiki, let's do the uh, Forever Green set of six. Uh, right, first question: uh, What do you do now? What I do now, I'm the assistant strength conditioner at the New Zealand Warriors. I help out the reserve grade team as um, assistant uh, strength conditioner just to make sure those boys who don't get picked for first grade are still setting the standards high mm. in second grade, and I'll give a feedback to the coach who's ready to come back up. There you mate there, Steve Kearney. But uh, obviously, mate, you're very heavy on the social media there, the Instagram. You've got yeah. your own movement going when it comes to fitness. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, that's been going since I retired, mate. So I was doing a bit of, you know, did some study with uh, with a wife, with the strength and conditioning side and the fitness instructor, and we kind of went into the community side of things and uh, trying to change people's lives and keep them active. And uh, it's ten years old, ten years, ten years old this this year, mate. And uh, we've just been working out of our kids' primary school, so uh, we haven't got a gym or nothing. We just take all our equipment and don't really need much equipment with me. I kind of just need a bit of a bit of space and and a, a good work rate. Back in the day, mate, uh, what was the best memory at your time at the club? Uh, the best memory uh, would be the uh, 94 Grand Final, mate, um, seeing Mel in the, 
uh, off on a, on a great note and playing with so many um, wonderful human beings and doing it together uh, for that whole year and um, it really uh, play a special part in, in, in my career and in my in my life and um, I still have the um, the medal. It was not wasn't rings back then, so mm. I'm going to put it on the chain and start wearing it around. Say so I did win, I did win one, so polish it up and wear it around my neck. I said, yeah, I, I, I won a final. It's all good. <laughs> what about the funniest memory, if you can remember, and the G-rated version? G-rated version. Oh, far funniest! I thought. Remember? Do you remember the um, the Brett Mullins and Mark McLendon incident? Yes, about yeah, yeah, the in, push and shove. Yeah, what was that all about? Uh, oh, mate, you know, Mullows is pretty outspoken, and Marty's Marty doesn't take a backward step. You know, uh, they just had a breakdown of uh, miscommunication. So who's supposed to take the ball and <laughs> who wasn't? And when they started pushing each other, I said, "What are you doing?" <laughs> yeah, I said, mate, "You know, your teammates." Are so yeah, I thought that was funny, but um, you shouldn't be doing that to your teammates. But you know, yeah, Mullows got in trouble for that. Yeah, it's Mullows, mate. Ruben Wiki, uh, question number three: Your favourite teammate? Oh, uh, it would be Chicken Nagus, Kenny Nagus, and you know we come through the grades, the twenty-one system, and uh, Craig Bellamy was the coach. We had some, you know, some players that have gone on and become pretty successful in the, the coaching arena. Madge McGuire was mm. senior partner back in the days, and Luke Devico, you know, the list goes on. But uh, Kenny Nagus and I, you know, were. We wanted to stamp our authority, and uh, we become good mates off the field too. And we had the, the kids growing up together, and um, and the wives, and and us catching up afterwards, and so forth. And you know, we 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 did um, become pretty close, and we still kind of catch up. Yeah. Question number four. We'll go a bit deeper here, mate. What did it mean for you to wear the Raiders jersey? Meant everything, mate. You know, my first. Uh, observation of the green jersey was the 89 grand final. Um, I just kind of fell in love with the colour, but kind of fell in love with the big big guy with number three on it. So, mm. And that team, they, they, you know, they had a lot of legends in there. And when Steve Jackson scored that try, mate, you know, I was hooked, I was hooked on, the, on the Raiders from that day on and wanted to be like Mel. I got the arm guard, didn't have a broken arm, so I grabbed the <laughs> shin guard. Whacked that on my arm, went around the local league and tried to do what Mel 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 yeah. used, uh, was doing, and um, and to get the opportunity to play in the green jersey, uh, you know, it was a dream come true for me. And um, I had I had a lot to learn, and I had some good coaches and uh, good mentors, and and just yeah, as I said before, Nick didn't want to leave, mate, and um, I would have re- retired in Canberra and. Probably gone on to being in the coaching department side of things if, if things went the other way. But um, such as life, brother. But I still, still bleed green, mate. Still, still wear my colours where I, where I can when I'm watching the boys. You do. You know, always have a soft spot for them. Last question, Ruben Wiki. What advice would you give to any of the current day Raiders? Keep getting better. Keep learning something new every day. Never get sick of it. Especially this day and age, this generation, you know, there's, there's a lot of a lot of temptations out there. There's a lot of money getting thrown out. There's a lot of free stuff, uh, but just don't lose your identity and who you are and who you're representing, and uh, don't get caught up in the hype because um, you'll 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 get burnt 
and your career will be a, a short-lived one. So uh, if you want to, um, if you want to have a, a long career in this game, you have to do all the little things right. Ruben Wiki, thank you very much for joining us on the Behind the Limelight podcast. No pleasure, brother.